0: No welcome to episode 177 F of no challenges remaining dream Finals oh my god edition I guess that's what I'm supposed to be calling it right it's the get off
1: my lawn edition get off my oh yes
0: dang kids aren't don't belong here Adult swim edition. I like that. (laughs) I like that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. good. Uh, I'm Ben Rothenberg. You're Courtney Nguyen, both adults. I'm going to be 30 in... What day is it? I have about a week. So I will soon be qualified for this weekend. I'm not yet. You are the Lucy Safarova of this podcast,
1: who is also turning 30 soon. Yeah, we're about the same age. She's
0: like two days older than me or two days younger, something like that. So yeah, so Courtney, we're in the situation at the Australian Open where we have like... I. It's good, but it also feels just like devastatingly huge. I want to call it like Dream Finals Apocalypse, even though it seems like a contradiction. But it's a lot. So we have since we last joined you, we have two finals set up: Women's Venus Williams versus Serena Williams. Oh my God, Williams sisters again in 2017. Men's Roger Federer versus Rafael Nadal. Oh my God, Federer and Nadal again in 2017. How are you? How are you taking this information? I think everyone is really excited at tennis. Like it's like I've never been. At a tournament that had this much results buzz, or even a quarter this much, I don't. I think people are just mm. like really cloud nine about it. I I haven't. I was thinking I haven't. I started covering tennis more full time. I was showing up in twenty twelve, so I haven't. Even, I haven't even been to either one of these two playing in a finals from the press side. They are both last. Less, meetings. Federer and Nadal was twenty eleven French. Venus and Serena with two thousand nine Wimbledon. So fair point. This is both. This is both new to me, and I've been around a while. Yeah no
1: fair point fair point um yeah I, it's um how do I process it I am in the stage of let's celebrate that it's happening um, I haven't really um, gotten to the point of really thinking about what to expect on Saturday and Sunday which is probably not good because Saturday is uh, well it is Saturday as we we're recording this yeah it's about uh, three a.m. um but um but yeah I mean I I think that I'm kind of in and I suspect that I will continue to be. In a bit of a honeymoon phase with respect to both matches just happening, that you know for the next few days, even for the next you know week or so, couple weeks of just kind of really reveling in it because I think there's just so many things that you can kind of celebrate um, about the sport, about these individual players, about the individual storylines that, that have, are, are coming to a head um, that that are just really nice and just make you feel, especially when you contrast it to what. The vibe of this tournament was twelve months ago. Oh God! Yeah. Um. You know, just in terms of not necessarily the on-court product, but just everything that had been swirling off-court. Um. It's uh. It's just nice. It's nice to yeah to feel that energy to see that excitement, um, of people from people uh for both of these finals. I hope they're good ones. I don't know if they will be. Yeah. I think that it's important to kind of recognize that um and not let that put a damper on the celebration of these four individuals in this stage of a tournament. I
0: think that's totally fair. And yeah, so looking ahead, before we look, let's look ahead first to these finals and just sort of say we don't know. I mean, as much as everyone's been like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. People who've watched a lot of them or even some of them usually know that Venus versus Serena matches are never anybody's favorite, are, are rarely the sort of matches that are easy. And I was thinking that when I saw Venus's reaction from beating Coco Vandeway, that I part of me wished that she got to play somebody else in the final because that's when she's playing somebody else it's sort of when you see her at her more than Serena, I think. Well, Serena's never the same against Venus either, exactly. But you really have to see Venus much more unbridled and celebratory. I'm just thinking, like, if Venus does beat Serena, I can't imagine her having that kind of reaction. Right. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe because she's like, sis, I've seen you win, like, 11 of these <laughs> since I last won one. Just let me have this. It would be
1: kind of beautiful to, for her to just let her have her moment, Serena. You know what I mean? Just, like, let it out, Venus. Just go let celebrate it her. Out.
0: Or just to dance with her or something. I don't know. Not that Serena would ever do that. But I remember back in the early days of, like, 2002 French Open when Serena beat Venus it was the first leg of the first Serena slam and uh Venus like got a camera and was like taking photos with with the photo pack of the Serena holding the trophy so yeah so I mean those are like nice little moments and if something like that happens great um but there's also just been a lot of duds or just like weird I, I remember even like that US Open quarterfinal they played in 2015 couple years ago just feeling like the crowd was like it was everybody showed up like the, it was more a-listers it was the first time i ever saw oprah in person it was it was it was a big night for people um and uh, i was sitting i think kendrick lamar was sitting a few rows behind me which was weird sitting in front of kendrick lamar I just felt wrong but anyway it just then the actual match that like people just didn't engage with it, it was sort of like eh, it's tough
1: and it was a good match Not like a bad match, it wasn't yeah. you know it wasn't like lights out i mean i think that the 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 one that Venus won up at the Rogers Cup in 2000, was it that same year? No, it
0: was 2014. 2014,
1: yeah. Um, that was actually, I thought, a good match. Like, I remember that being one of the few genuinely for me where I could enjoy the match. And I, because the tension of the situation, and even if they don't feel it, you know, which I think that over time, I, I do think that they've been able to kind of set aside the awkwardness of the sister. Uh, aspect of things and just play tennis but even if they can set it aside it's hard for you when you're watching to set it aside Be- because it, it's just it's raw.
0: and also just as a crowd you have to pick pick exactly like and this happens in any tennis match i'm watching even as a journalist i don't really i'm obviously not out there cheering for people but i get some idea in my head of you know i'd probably prefer this person to win this match, this match even at qualies i walk up to a match sure. with two people I don't know. I make a snap judgment about both of them for whatever reason, and I say, like, you know what, super- I would like this. With Venus and Serena, It's some people will, obviously, have a fans. There are people who are bigger Serena fans and Venus fans. I'm guessing Melbourne's probably not where they're most, you know, divisive. I'm guessing maybe, like, New York or Miami would be somewhere where they would have more of a um, clear clear division in the crowd, but... Here, I don't know. I, I would like to think that Venus will get a lot of support. Venus certainly got a lot of support on her run here, which was great. The crowd was very much for her against Coco um, by the end, which was good to see her getting her props. It seemed, they seem to really understand what it meant to her. It has has been something that Venus hasn't always gotten. I remember even way back in 2005. Uh, I think it was like a John Wertheim mailbag. That was a devotee of back then and well before and way since, even till now, that um, he was saying it was when Venus won Wimbledon in 2005 and she hadn't won a slam for four years. And, you know, some people might look at that result and say, oh, those Williams girls win everything, whatever. But no, like Venus is this incredible story who stands on her own, separate from Serena. And that's 20 times more the case. I mean, they have not had... More different stretches in their careers than they have over the last uh, five years, really. Since I guess since the uh, since they both came back from the 2011 illnesses, their results have gone. I mean, Serena's been amazing and unprecedentedly her best, and Venus at times has felt like she's just sort of clinging on and just clinging on, like like you know, by her fingertips to staying at the top level of the sport. And she's taken some bad losses and she's had some rough results and some times where just things weren't going her way and now that everything is it's it's really pretty cool and i would like to see i hope whatever happens, and i think this will happen regardless i think she'll have get a great reception from the crowd Mm -hmm. i think that you know she'll go out and compete well and she'll have some moments if they're gonna be enough to make a real match of it i don't know because serena has been damn good in this tournament and so she runs into that after not having run into a really established top player during this tournament
1: yeah, no, I, I I would echo most of that. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, again, it's about, I just see it as just like, let's just step back and enjoy what oh, we're yeah. about to watch. You know, like, I don't know if it's going to be a match. I don't know if it's going to be one-way traffic. I don't know if Venus is going to have a shot and be able to pull something off like she did in 2014 and stun Serena. Um, you know, I think I've said this a zillion times on the, the podcast, you know, I... I relate to Venus. I'm an older sister. I get it. I'm the one that truly, truly, truly believes that at the end of A League of Their Own, she dropped intentionally (laughs) the baseball to let kit score the winning run that's what big sisters do you protect your little sister and i think that venus throughout her career not that to say that that translates into the whole matches thing i think that they've competed oh, in in, yeah. a range or right i don't think that at all but i think that subconsciously there is and has always been for venus a desire to protect serena to boost serena you know when you ask venus about serena i mean it's just she's so generous in in in, in things and as you said it how can it not be hard to like sit there and you were the first and you were the one that came out of the gates and you're the one that has a book called Venus be named after you. and Got all these
0: John Wertheim plugs in this episode. I know, oh my
1: gosh. John, our boy. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's... And then to see your sister surpass you and to be supportive of that,
0: like... I will all remember the 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 her in the hood in 1999 and mm-hmm. the uh, when Serena won before her yeah, yeah.
1: you know it, it's tough and 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 I, and I feel for that and you know and then on top of that you add the additional layer of yes the illness I mean you know I, I get frustrated sometimes when people kind of like say like, Oh yeah. Like she was diagnosed with this illness, but she's over it. She's not over it. She still has it. it. She's managed it. She's learned how to manage it, but she still has it. Um, you know, it's not like she's like moved on from it. Um, just the the climb and the desire and and like i said on the insider podcast you know i mean when you look at venus's story uh when you when you look at mariana lucic's uh story here making the semifinals, you know at the end of the day like us mere mortals don't hear what what champions hear, you know like you know and they you know we hear all the doubt and all that they hear like screaming from their soul is like you still have it though like you can do it and you know and um, and uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty compelling thing, and it's a pretty magical thing. And um, and so yeah, I'm I'm super super happy for Venus. Um, my dream scenario, absolute dream, is that Venus wins at the Australian Open. Serena gets twenty three out on the hallowed grounds of Wimbledon. She uh, catches Margaret Court at the U.S. Open, and she comes back to the Australian Open next year to break it. That would be like that's kind of like my all time. Like I'm like please.
0: But, I don't know. It's pretty good. It'd it's be kind
1: good. of an amazing...
0: <laughs> you're, I mean, you're picking three Williams Slam titles in 2017. Uh, I am. 17, I, am. Which I think would, she's come out well. I think she... Serena's been amazing. I mean, yeah. just on Serena, Serena has played one of her best slams ever, I'm willing to say. Because, I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers or the stats or score lines, game shots, whatever. But we recorded this show, I think... Oh, we recorded our last episode before the quarters, uh, for the, her side, anyway. And what she did to Joe Conta... In that match was incredible it was serena being peak and summoning her best against an opponent she really respected and it was the definitely the third time she did that in this tournament previously doing it early rounds against benches and safarova especially because i think she knew that it was coming out of the gate that'd be tougher and so she was really at her best but she has been so good and there wasn't again i saw her play two really crappy matches in auckland she beat parment but she was not good and it was windy whatever then she lost to madison brengel and i just didn't and we i was thinking again on the draw show to sort of bring it back full circle and you know hold ourselves accountable (laughs) neither of us we didn't talk about serena much and it looks like she's gonna win this tournament yeah so she has just been steadily her best she's been really really calm really focused uh venus is obviously a wrench in the works you know it's, it's a twist in what she normally deals with it's a whole different layer of things but regardless of what happens here uh, in the final, even if Serena loses the final, that'll be understandable because it's Venus, whatever. Um, and she looks really good for 2017. If she wins, which no one's talking about, if she wins, she regains number one um, from Angelique Kerber, who, uh, yeah. Had, she gets had number a rough, 23. Yeah, she gets number 23. She passes Steffi officially. She'll be one away from Margaret Court. Although, again, like we said before, I'm not super into the whole Margaret Court mattering thing. Because she won against 31 other Australian ladies for the most part, when yeah. no one else came down here, and it was a small draw, and, uh, and you know she played long into the amateur era after anyone yeah. else I did. Mean, I and, mean, there's you know, Serena
1: record. gets number 23. She will, in most people's minds, if not the record books, I mean, she will at least own the Open era record. Yeah. But like I think in most people's minds, that is the record. It, it's yeah. you know, it's it's the one that is, yeah, it's the one that matters. And and getting 24 and and possibly 25, that's just more symbolic. That's just more yeah. like no argument, no counter-argument. I'm the greatest slam player of all time, you know, uh, that sort of situation. But but 23 is the big one.
0: You mentioned um, Venus and just uh, the champions being wired differently, and I want to just drop in here because it's wonderful, the audio of Venus talking about why people like sports because it's pretty great. I mean, what I will say about sport and I think why people love sports so much is because you see everything in the line at that moment. There is no do-over. There is no retake. There is no voice-over. It's you know triumph and disaster witnessed in real time. And this is why people live and die for sport, because you can't fake it. You can't. It's either you do it or you don't. And people relate to the champion, and they also relate to the person also who didn't win, because we all have those moments in our life. So is it an athlete's job to inspire inherently what I think athletes do at a top level inspires people, but each person takes that responsibility differently. Even with these finals, I don't want to give short shrift here. We didn't talk about her too much because we talked about it before she was going to play Pliskova, so we didn't give her too much due to terms of being a semifinalist. finalist Mirjana Lucic, Baroni, she is, her story was possibly the best, was probably a better story than Venus making the final. I mean, this Australian Open, we were so spoiled. I think I mentioned in the last show, but like we had other like featurey things planned for this Slam for the times, and we were just like, you know what? No, we don't need this. Like, let's just go results. These results are amazing. They're gonna stay amazing. These storylines are incredible. And Lucius Broni's most evolved, I mean, She's back in the top thirty now, career high ranking, reaching it. And for those of you who don't know her story, you should. Um, but she was a seventeen. She was a teenage prodigy. Won doubles title here with Hingis when she was fifteen in nineteen ninety eight. I believe. Then when she was 17, which is weird math, but it makes sense. In 99, she won, she made, sorry, she made the semis in Wimbledon and she was a cautionary talent tennis, you know, had an abusive fa- father. She alleged abuse. Her family fled Croatia. She had all sorts of uh, financial issues. Google it. You can Google read it. all the, it. read it's all well this. documented,
1: but, but she won't talk about it very much these days. But yeah. yeah. So
0: yeah, so all those things happened and she has had a couple other flashy results at Slams. Um, she beat Halep twice. As slams but this seeing her beat pliskova and string together win after win after win was really really cool and in terms of emotional reactions um i mean she said something which you know sounds like she said something really dramatic on court which is like getting this result makes everything sort of okay and if it does or doesn't that's how she felt at that moment and it was very cool to see her get her moment of redemption
1: yeah i mean just kind of get
0: yeah, I mean, the the Luchich
1: Brony story is, you're right, I mean, it, it, to me, in the grand scheme of things, it is the bigger story than, than, than Venus making the final or even winning this title simply because we are talking about a player whose, whose career was taken from her, um, you know, and, and, and stripped from her and a player who had that talent um, and, and really was just going away and, you know, it, it's meant, it's, it said a lot in her press conference when you kind of pointed out you know oh well you're a top 30 player now are you going to rejigger your 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 uh your schedule and she kind of put her heart hands up slowly and was like no more qualies i mean that's what her career has been she's been a 33
0: 34 year old who's had to work through qualies yeah yeah Yeah.
1: work through qualies. you know took her 19 years for her to win her second main draw match here at the australian Open, which came here in the first round and she needed three sets to do it against wen kiang um, and then goes and beats two top five players in Radvanska and Pliskova, two title contenders. You know, coming so into this especially our, our favorite. Yeah, yeah, but like, but even before we realized how quick these courts were, I mean, Radvanska had just won Sydney. She played well in Shenzhen. Or sorry, made the the final in Sydney. Played well in Shenzhen. Yeah, she was playing well. She was playing better than than a second round exit would indicate. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just a remarkable story. And, and again, one of resilience and she said it over and over and over and over again in her press conference. And it's kind of funny because, you know, you never know, obviously what stories are going to pan out over the course of two weeks. And so when, uh, Luchich Broni won her first round match, I knew it was not, the 19 year drought had ended. And so I requested, but it was the first day or second day of the, the slam and, I had put in a bunch of requests yeah. and I just completely forgot that I requested her. And so Nick Imason of the ITF was like making the announcement. I was just sitting at my desk, you know, with my headphones on. And he was like, you requested Lucic Broni. And I was like, I did? And, <laughs> and and he was like, yeah, she's over there. And it was like Mariana Lucic Broni had just won this three, you know, this grueling two and a half hour, three set match. She had walked straight off court straight to press, had a racket they do that. bag, they catch you off yeah, they do had that. a yeah. racket bag, still like whatever, towel over her shoulders, into interview area six, which is a standing table with two stools. Yeah, um, I know it's, know it's not hot. even a room. Um, and was standing there like waiting for me. And I was like, oh, crap. And I like grabbed my mic and, and ran, ran over there and she was great. but And then she went from interview area six to interview room two until all of a sudden she was in main room uh, twice. And um, but she had said over and over and over again throughout the two weeks that, you know, I believe that I had this tennis in me. I always believed it. I never that never wavered. The margins in the sport are so so narrow. Sometimes somebody plays better than you that day and you lose. But it doesn't mean that you 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 don't believe that it's there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, both like I said, both her and Venus, it's it's a very poignant thing. Um, and to see it all pay off at this age. I mean, Lucic Broni's 34, Venus is 36 um it's crazy that luchich brony was the young one
0: i know right <laughs> i mean it was <laughs> my talk, speaking of dream finals my actual dream final from the semis as a writer just who enjoys stories would have been and obviously william sisters is fish in a barrel so easy so great amazing these two kids shared a bedroom and now they're on you know playing their ninth slam final or whatever together but venus versus Lucic would have been unreal if yeah, somehow she i mean, that match didn't come close to happening with how well serena played in that semi but it would have been amazing um, we talked about Coco Vandeweghe before other semifinalists Re Shout out to her; that was a great semi final against Venus. Played it, really well. It was my favorite semi final. Maybe I have to finally give it to Dimitrov Nadal because the fifth cause, set cause was good. Because the fifth set was really good. Some of the stuff in the middle was pretty mm. pretty chunky. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, it was good. Let's go to the men. Uh, Federer and Nadal. Uh, Federer gets there. <laughs> Federer had this compared to Venus, especially because they're both, you know, you know, kind of. I pair them together more and. Rafa 17th and...
1: seed, number 17. Yeah. So there's 17s across the board there with, mm-hmm. with Federer and Venus.
0: Yeah, so it's right, because she's seeded 13th. Yeah, but she's but ranked, She's currently ranked, ranked 17th. 17th. Right. So Federer had a really hard draw. He got a break when Andy Murray lost to Misha Zverev, obviously. If he'd won that match, it would have been this unreal draw. But he but he beat Nisha Nishikori, he beat Burdich, he beat... Varenka Courtney, you want to say something? Yes,
1: because I've actually spoken to a bunch of international writers about this. This idea that oh, Federer had a tough draw, and quite a few of them were like had written for their their national papers, this is the best case scenario draw for Roger Federer um, when it came out because these were opponents that he was familiar with. That it's no surprise that a Noah Rubin took a a set off him, right? Yeah. or came I think he was
0: up a break in the uh, something like that yeah, but, but weirdly troubled
1: him in a way but yeah. but that this was a situation where he was going to potentially Certainly see a bunch Burnish. of players Certainly that that he was familiar with that he knew how to beat um, and you know, conventional wisdom said that Murray was would have probably beaten him in that quarter. I don't know, but who knows, right? So, but but more than a few. Uh, in fact, Petra Phillipson who you had on the show, she was pretty adamant. She that she wrote that that this was the perfect draw for Roger Federer uh, as a comeback tournament. So I was like, okay, I guess. But, I, um, yeah. I buy
0: that. I buy that a little bit. If you have to play seeds, these are the ones you want. Maybe I get that. But playing Stan in a semifinal is not easy. Stan. I mean, Stan with how well he's played, winning the most recent Slam on the men's side of the U.S. Open, winning a Slam a year each of the last three years, doing well in Australia repeatedly. That's tough. Right. That I mean, was, you're talking no about picnic. either Raonic
1: or Stan. Then in terms of the draw, the three and fours, right?
0: Yeah. I get Like
1: obviously, you would rather have Raonic. But I feel like Raonic would count
0: as a familiar opponent too. Yeah. I mean, so maybe. I don't know. I, I get, I get what she, I get that idea. But Federer has been really good. Nadal has been really good, and everyone. I don't know. It's just and it's just, bad like, in patches. Like let's
1: again. Yeah, uh, this Nadal. Is my Nadal especially. Nadal especially. Like, it's, they have they've been very good. Their competitive instincts have been phenomenal. They've battled. You know, just again that that kind of like what Venus did against Coco. That champions. Uh, you know, mentality, that that that, that grit uh, has come out, especially uh, with Venus and Roger and Rafa. But play has been spotty at times. And, um, you know, I still think that the Rafa forehand hasn't really shown up here in Melbourne in the way that he really needs it. Yeah. Um, I think that Roger has gone through fits and starts um, sometimes in matches. Um, but generally speaking, I think Roger has looked better I agree. to me than, than Rafa
0: has, um, which is why I still don't really know what's going to happen on Sunday. But... Um, Rafa had looked so shaken to me that I thought, again, on a really different reason, I thought federer Dimitrov might be the better final. I really thought that. Just because, in, in a weird sort of both ways, because either A, Rafa's fine and plays well and kicks Federer's ass as per usual, or he's bad and a shaky player and rot and, and roger gets a fast court and blows through him because the things that that dimitrov was able to do that worked against fetter against sorry against nadal are all things that roger does much more reliably and much better like winning Except movement w- right but winning quick points off you know the first or second yeah. shot that's where yeah. that's where that's where dimitrov clung into this match long rallies Federer was been better at avoiding those than dimitrov was
1: that's fair yeah no i mean i think that the biggest thing is that like you know that that Grigor obviously moves a lot better than, than Roger and will defend better. But, but yes, on, on those short balls, Roger is going to Roger's put, moved okay, though.
0: I don't know if I buy that. Um,
1: the athlete, the sheer athleticism and ability that, that Grigor Dimitrov has at the moment, I put that above what Roger can do on, okay. on, on just sheer defense. Um, but uh, But on the short balls, Grigor, it takes him like three shots to get it done. Roger yeah. gets it done – uh much easier that being said you know one of the things and i i i haven't read i have to confess or listened to the uh, the press conferences of Roger and Stan after the semi final but it it did seem curious that that match really turned on its head the minute the sun went down and the conditions on the court cooled and the conditions on the court became slower and if that is the case uh you know you do kind of wonder a little bit what that's going to do for Roger, as he tries to hit through what is supposed to be a fast court, although you know, today with Grigor faster. and... Faster. Faster. Yeah. Um, although today with Grigor and and, and and Rafa, it definitely didn't look fast. But you're
0: so right, because Grigor, until the fifth set, weirdly... Had such a hard time, like just hitting. It took him several shots.
1: Hit the ball through the court. Yeah, Um, and that's what I think. Again, that worries me for for Roger a little bit. Although Roger will be better at it, but obviously Roger also would be hitting with far less margin than what Grigor was trying to do. I mean, that's what that that's always been a bit of the the thing that you you feel like coaches need to beat out of out of Grigor is this idea of like the constructing the three the three shot. Winner yeah. as opposed to hitting the one two winner or the one winner, yeah. Um, because he does hit with a little bit more spin and and, and tries to go for more width and, and depth, than he can miss. But, um, yeah, so so so, uh, yeah, I don't know about that, but I mean, Roger should hold much better, serves better than, than obviously Dimitrov's. Um, but in that first set, Rafa was able to pin Grigor to that backhand side easily. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's why it really looked like, I mean, I I was on BBC Radio for the second set. And when I sat down, they were like, so what do you think? I'm like, I think I've seen this movie before. Now, obviously, it unfolded in a very unpredictable way. But at least in that first set, Rafa had the pattern down. um, And he he really was able to to keep things on his terms. So, Yeah. yeah, I don't know.
0: So let's just do sort of a speed round thing of what a title would mean for each of our four finalists. Okay. Federer. Federer, let's start with Federer. Federer wins the Australian Open. He gets up to number eighteen. He wins his first title since 2012 Wimbledon. Um, maybe this is a dumb topic. Maybe it's a dumb segment idea. But like, I think it's a, I think I. I think that it will first of all be like the biggest story in tennis, and would overshadow Venus winning, which I'd be annoyed by. But it would be. Really, I think it would be the most impressive title of his career just because of the lack of ten- six months before and not having any matches. He's yeah. the one who hasn't been on tour of these four.
1: No, I know. I'm just going to throw this out here. And, and honestly, this is not an idea that I had. This is something that I didn't even think about it until another journalist who we are friends with, who I shall not name, uh, was going off about it. And I, and I was like, oh, you're totally right. Why is it that, okay, Roger's been off for six months and he comes back and this is in this journalist's words. I will I will quote them directly. I'm pretty
0: sure I know who this is. I will
1: quote them directly. Um, and everybody's treating it like he's he like he couldn't walk or something. Like look at him go. Like he's look. You know he's so, it's like yeah. I mean he was off for six months and he was training. He's fine. Like you know. Whereas if you compare it to like the reaction of like you know when when Kim Kleister's came back uh, after having a baby. And being gone for, like, whatever. And then she goes and wins, like, the US Open or the Australian Open or whatever. It's like, oh, everybody's shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like what exactly uh, is going on there? Like, you know? And obviously, Roger, I mean, he's a champion. He's great. But it's not like he was, like, crappy before he took his six-month leave. I mean, he made the the Wimbledon semifinal and, honestly, probably should have made the final if not his death could have won that final. the fact that his knee buckled yeah. and, and he had an injury. He wasn't posting terrible results. Like you said, it was like, Roger Federer's first final since... Oh right, not that not that long ago. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 like this whole thing of like he's been gone for six months. Like yeah, he's healed his body. Like there you go. He's he's yeah. a very good tennis player now. To do it at his age, I think the fact that him doing it at his age, that to me is far more impressive than oh he's coming back in his first tournament back since 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 uh Wimbledon. since what okay, Wimbledon. that's fair. That's, that's he, what I think. He had
0: been healthily training, I think, since maybe October and November. Right. So that's that part's fair, and he's obviously. He's a good, I just good, want perspective, good, people. Hey, that's fine. I just that's want perspective. Fine. Nadal. So if Nadal wins, Nadal gets up to 15, he'll be two back of Federer. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, if Nadal gets 15, he's going to close right in and pass Federer. N- Slow down. <laughs> no. I think that it's, it will be an incredible feat out of nowhere for him to win one more, which would be 15. And if he doesn't, he'll still be two behind. And we say this, put this in perspective with Djokovic now. Like Djokovic, people are like, sky is falling with Djokovic. Djokovic 12 months ago was like of course he'll get from 12 to get to 18 and pass better no every individual slam is really hard no matter who you are maybe not Serena sometimes but pretty much everyone else it's really hard to win it to rack up slams and that deserves respect and so all, I think maybe he would want every slam twice which is a cool stat for him that'd be a good sort of uh thing he'd be you know I think Serena's won them all three times, so he's got some catching up to do with Serena, uh, as do. everyone does in life. But, yeah, I think for him it'd be uh, an impressive thing to get another slam here. This has been his weakest slam for a while, so good on him. But I would not think – this again, would maybe downplaying all bases these its the way this segment goes – but um, I would not think that it suddenly means he's going be number one again or going to rack no. up slants or anything like that. To
1: me, like, between Rafa and Roger, I think that Rafa's the bigger story if he wins. I think that it's – I mean, it won't be because Roger is Roger and he will – he's GQ man of the year or whatever that thing that – the because he wears a, a – He jokes about that. Blazer, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. I. But to me, I think that, that Rafa winning would be f- – far more impressive Rafa doing it because he is somebody who had been you know sputtering even before you know kind of shutting down his season and he wasn't playing uh at the level that we expect Rafa to play at for far longer than Roger was and so for him to get back in the final I think is an incredible result for him um and then you know if he were to go through and to win it I think that's you know tip of the cap man because you know uh, again you talk about a player who who
0: you know, everybody
1: constantly whispers, Is his body gonna fail him? Like his body's his worst enemy, da, da 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 da. So for him to be if he was able to do it, I think that'd be um that'd be an incredible feat.
0: And Serena. If Serena wins it, Serena gets a twenty three. She I think we did talk about this a little bit early in the show, but Serena gets a twenty three, she gets a number one. Um, I I'm more curious as to what it means for her being a number one. Because I I remember think, rationalizing not rationalizing, but explaining when Kerber took over number one, I was like, this is absolutely deserved. Serena has barely played at all. And that really hasn't changed. Now, I mean, if you're, the only tournament she's adding quantity-wise in the last month is a second-round loss to Madison Brangle, which I don't think, you know, polishes anybody's silver. Uh, it's not an expression, I don't think, but it sounded right. Um, yeah, Serena will be number one, and is it a is sign of more things come for her? I, I think she's had the most impressive run of anybody of the four but doesn't what what will it mean going forward
1: yeah i mean it, look it, at the end of the day either in my opinion you you kind of believe v- serena at her word when she says i've got nothing to prove everything is gravy i'm playing with house money like i don't care um or you think that these these records matter now obviously i mean obviously there's there's some venn diagramming in there Both can be that true. it's both both can be true but but i just think that you know with serena I've really transitioned into like, I'm here for the ride, man. Like, whatever you do is what you do. And I feel like, you know, she operates a little bit separately that obviously if she's number one or if she's winning Grand Slam titles, obviously that has some impact on the rest of the field. But at the end of the day, the rest of the field is still just going to be doing what they do. It it doesn't change whether or not she's number one or number two. Um, That just becomes more of a, um, a rhetorical device, right? Like, it's like, oh, you have a lot of pressure, Angie Kerber, because you're number one. And then if she's not number one, then that's just not a the a thing that we say, right? Yeah. So it, it impacts maybe like, you know, Kerber, I suppose, if, if 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 Serena takes back the number one. But otherwise it's it's just it's just um it's like watching the Harlem Globetrotters, man. Like, you, you know, you're just running up the score. Like, you know, like it's like there's another one and there's another one. And that's not to diminish what she does, because as you said before, which is absolutely right and which I think people really, really, really downplay or overlook is like it's really hard to win a slam. Really hard. It's not easy. So many things have to go your way and you have to be that good. And there's a little bit of luck in it as well. And uh, and so for Serena, every single one that she wins is just like an incredible accomplishment. But I say that at the same time, kind of saying like she doesn't have to win anymore. Like, it doesn't change, in my opinion, her stature in the record books, her legacy, uh, all these sorts of things. To me, she's the GOAT. I think... And, like, you know, whether it's 22, 23, 25, nothing about that GOAT status changes for me.
0: I completely agree. Regardless of where Steffi and Margaret Court wound up in the end, the difference between 23 and 25 is somewhat marginal. Yeah. I mean, she's already (laughs) amazing. And yeah, it's just the and the and which we've gone into before and we'll go into again, the currency ex, the exchange rate of a slam between nineteen eighty eight yes. and twenty seventeen is just different. Yeah, in both in both directions sometimes. Um. So yeah. So there's that. Uh. And Venus. If Venus wins. I. I Don't just say want her it. to be happy. Yeah, yeah. No, no I'm, yeah, I'm, just, yeah. I'm not saying she's going to retire. Okay, I was, I was waiting, saying. but I was like, no. Uh, to be honest, though, you were talking about people writing her off. I 1,000%. 1, not 1,000. I 90% did not expect to see Venus in 2017. I really thought she would have retired after the Rio Olympics, after the US Open following the Rio Olympics, and thought, really, I've had this scenario in my mind for years. And so for her to me, <laughs> doing it this big in the first line of 2017 is... Pretty cool, and it just, it's just—it's just sort of a testament in life to you know not getting off the dance floor till you're damn well ready, no matter how alone you're dancing. Yeah, just enjoy the music. It's her silent
1: disco moment, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in a lot of ways it was. It was like she heard things that no one else was hearing, and she danced to the her own beat. And and I think that that's why you know Venus wins. It's not a tennis story. It's it's a it's it's bigger than that. It it's it's far more inspirational. Um, it just, I mean, and and maybe again, it's, it's my own personal bias or like whatever. It just, I just think that it means more, um, to see a woman go through what she has had to go through, uh, not just in her entire career, but even just specifically since, um, since her diagnosis, um, and to just know so clearly, like kind of how, many have doubted and questioned I've been one of them I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna dodge that you know like how is this fun for you like you know you know and 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 being kind of in the middle of all that um and and yeah if she were to win it would just be the biggest most dignified most royal middle finger to everyone (laughs) you know it would be and it would be a beautiful thing and uh I don't know. It'd be hard to find a tennis story that would pop, that would top it. That that I could imagine.
0: Speaking of silent disco and your knowledge of there, we said I think on the we did a Facebook Live before recording this. We want people. Courtney ranted last time about the Nazi punch remixes, <laughs> yeah. and we want people to set Venus's uh, Coco Vandewey celebration victory dance to music and remix it however you want be creative you know mash it up you know recycle the visuals to put whatever music you want it can be ballet it can be funk it can be disco it can be hardcore hip-hop whatever the hell you want
1: be creative yeah you know make a statement but i think that i think that venus williams based off of what she's done she earns the right to be memed. win or lose win or lose she deserves to be memed uh and that moment which was just such a joyous Pure, uh, childlike wonder moment. It needs to be something that we all watch every single day to just remind ourselves, like, yes, it's okay to like get up this morning and go do your thing, and because eventually it's gonna pay off.
0: It was all very haters gonna hate. Gone hate. It, was it was
1: Vader. It was very haters like, <laughs> somebody can do it. To Taylor Swift, shake it off. Get the little segment with the players gonna play and the hating yeah, and the yeah, hating. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like Taylor look at, Swift. Don't was do saying, that. Don't do mean, that. Look at Courtney suggesting Taylor <laughs> no, Swift. That no. was
0: strange. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow along with us, do so on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at ncr underscore tennis. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, any other service of podcasts of your choice, including Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, mm-hmm. and Tune in, yeah. Overcast. Are you on Overcast?
1: Overcast is just a, it's just an app. So yes. Yeah. That
0: so- one too. All that great stuff. Uh, send us emails, nochallengedomaining at gmail.com. Uh Rant, raves, thoughts?
1: Sure. I don't know if you guys have been following me. Some of you have been. But uh, look, over the course of the last 48 hours, 72 hours, I've chosen to, uh, because obviously I'm working during the women's matches, but during the men's matches, I've been just watching from the press room. And my headphones that are plugged into my TV are terrible. Um, so I can't hear anything. So, I- it, You can't hear Labor? No, I can't hear it at all. Oh, you should. Have that? They'll fix that for you. I've asked. They can't do it. Something Ugh. about my setup. They can't do it. So I can't listen to like what actually is going on on the TV. So I'm just kind of sitting there watching. So starting with the. Uh, it was Stan. Ruben. No, no, no. Yeah. It was it was Rafa, and Rounich. Okay. I started listening to random playlists. So of music all off of spotify so for rafa and Rounich, i just was in a bit of a i love the cello as ben knows actually we've, i've had this conversation with him before it's great but i love the cello because it's very sad and so like i started listening to a cello play, uh, playlist and weirdly while listening to it it made like it made the match look completely different to me so i'd kind of been tweeting along with it and be like it was oh. your own
0: salon disco yeah
1: i was like oh it's getting very dramatic and, sh- and but weirdly as it was happening i was like oh no but it actually is like and so the music i've done it three times now Every single time, the playlist has been dead right on every single thing, and it has been crazy. So, um, so the cello one was great, and then for um, for Federer and Vavrinka, I listened to uh, the Spotify like classical essentials okay. uh, playlist. And here are the rules, like the self imposed rules that I put into this: were have to push play uh, at the first song when when play begins or whatever, and then you have to let it run.
0: No, no skipping,
1: order. no anything. Even if I get up and go outside or if I go to the restroom, I still let it play. Right, yeah. And you just let it go. Anyway, it totally worked for Vavinka Fed. It called the change in like the cause it was take two sets and it was totally fine and chill. And then I was like listening to some like very peaceful thing, and then just like Vivaldi kicked in and it was very dramatic. And I was like, What's going on? And then like Stan broke, and then the two set <laughs> it was like crazy. And then today, and this is where my rant comes in. I stupidly picked this Spotify playlist that was called Alternative Anthems because yeah. I just didn't want to listen to more classical music. And you can't listen to the same p- playlist, you know, because not then the match rhythms are the same. Right. So I was like, okay, I'll listen to Alternative uh, Anthems. And when I think of an Alternative Anthem, I think of Arcade Fire
0: or like <laughs>
1: a Coldplay song. Coldplay
0: is Alternative? Yeah. I don't think they're Alternative. I think they're very normal. No,
1: like old Coldplay was Alternative
0: okay like eh. up through like um
1: um Russia blood through the head after that i don't know i stopped paying attention
0: mm-hmm. x not and y sure. and all that
1: but but no they are they are alternative it's not considered pop music um and uh and yeah so i thought of, of a certain genre of music and then i started playing it and once you commit you gotta listen to it My God, for five hours, I was listening to the worst collection of, like... It was, like,
0: The Offspring, right? It was,
1: like, there were at least four songs from The Offspring. As I said, as I told the Caitlin Thompson, and this is, like, a phrase that my friends and I use to describe this type of music, so I'm sorry if it's offensive, but it's, like, it's just terrible cock rock. Like, it's just, like, dudes screaming about something with, like, very distorted guitar. It's not heavy metal, and it's not... But it's, like you know, Foo Fighters, I put into that category at times, but it was like system of a down. And- like Sum 41? Yeah, someone, that's technically, Sum 41 is more like pop punk. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, it's just like discordant and I just, it was terrible and it sucked, but it totally called it. At 4-4 four, four in the 4th, <laughs> at 4-4 four, four in the 4th, uh, a song by the Zipper Club called Going the Distance came on and I tweeted it, I was like, I'm not saying anything, but I'm just putting it out there right now. It's 4-4 four, four in the 4th. And it just said go in the distance sure enough it went five uh and then the last song that played uh was everlong which is um if you actually listen to the lyrics it's kind of like perfect uh in terms of a rafa and roger final um and then when that was done and rafa was talking it played heaven sent so it just it's it's creepy and it's kind of a fun little exercise but i encourage everyone all this is to say listen to classical music while you watch tennis it's really cool don't listen to alternative anthems terrible idea
0: that was all pretty good. I don't know if I have anything to compete with that. <laughs> that was like weird, like tea leaf reading. Enjoy your nostalgic finals, guys. Uh, we'll be with you after the tournament ends. Go tennis. Tell your friends to watch. Yeah. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a good people. The problem is the time difference. But Time difference, right. But DVR it. Make brunch. Invite people over. Do whatever you need to do. Um, yeah. Be on, be on sort of so phone or blackout. Don't,
1: because we don't know if the matches are going to be good. But let's celebrate it, you guys. Let's sit back and take a moment and appreciate what we're what we're about to see. I think it's just
0: still sellable, is what I mean. It's like in terms of like trying to expand tennis, even though the time difference you're right is terrible. But if you're in Europe, it's not as bad. um, or somewhere else in the world. Uh, so yeah, let's go with that. And we will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Ciao ciao. The
1: word is about there's something involving